Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. The scripture reading for today is from Luke 22, verses 41 and 42, from the Common English Bible. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. Thanks, Anne. We are studying the Lord's Prayer throughout this Lenten season. Um, so one of the things that I'm going to do throughout Lent is, is to pray, paraphrase prayers of the Lord's Prayer. So people have taken the Lord's Prayer and sort of put it into their own words. Um, and so we'll start with a paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer today, and then at the end of the sermon we'll have a different paraphrase, just so that you hear it in different words, and maybe it'll strike you a little bit different, and it'll mean something more to you um, by hearing it in slightly different ways. So we're starting with a paraphrase from Dallas Willard. Um, some of you might have heard of him. He's a fairly recent theologian. I would call him a practical theologian. He's sort of got like down-home theology that really hits home to your life. And so this is um, his version of the Lord's Prayer. So please pray with me. Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be complete in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the same way that it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad, because you are the one in charge, and you have all the power and all the glory, too, is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. Amen. Well, as I said, um, we are embarking on a sermon series called Prayer as Jesus Taught Us. It's a six-week series throughout Lent um, in which we are studying um, how Jesus prayed, mostly looking at the Lord's Prayer, so that we might figure out how we might strengthen our own prayer life um, during this Lenten season. So many of us have memorized the Lord's Prayer, but I think we often recite it without really stopping to consider what it is that we're saying and praying. Bill's grandparents um, tried to teach me the Lord's Prayer one time in Chinese. And I emphasize tried. (laughs) Chinese is what linguists call a tonal language, unlike English, which means that the same words said with a different tone mean different things. For example, the word ma. If you say it in the way an English speaker might say it if you just read it off a page, it means to scold, so ma means scold. But if you say ma like you're looking for your mother, like ma, then it means rough. If you say it like you're whining, like ma, with sort of your voice sweeping down and then back up higher, it means horse. And if you say ma with a high pitch, like you're saying the first syllable of the Star Spangled Banner, like oh, and you say ma, then it means mother. (laughs) And that is true of almost every syllable in the Chinese language. As an English speaker, it's really difficult to learn a tonal language because we don't grow up learning how to listen for different tonal differences. And in my experience, even when you're trying to listen for them, it's really hard to even recognize them 
So they would tell me a word, and they would say, ma, and I would say, ma. And they were like, no, ma. And I'm like, that's what I said. No, that isn't what you said. What you said means horse. And you're trying to say, I could never figure it out. By the end of the day, I was just trying to memorize words and tones, and I had no idea even what I was praying. And I think we often do the same. We have the words of the Lord's Prayer memorized, and we even have our own sort of sing-songy way of saying it, don't we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? We all know how to say it in that sing-songy way when we recite it. But sometimes I think we have no idea what we're saying. So my hope is really that through this series, we're going to develop a greater understanding of the Lord's Prayer. So that when we do recite it in worship, it has this like deep meaning for us. And we have an understanding of it that we didn't have before. So that we're fully praying in the way that Jesus taught us in this template that he gives us on how we ought to pray. And that in the end, by the time we get through the six weeks of Lent, our prayer life will be richer than it was when we started. So last week we looked at the introduction of the Lord's Prayer and the first of the seven petitions. So in the introduction, right, we address God, our Father who art in heaven. We said our reminds us that our faith is communal, that it's just not my Father, but it is everyone's Father. And so when we pray, we look beyond ourselves. We pray for the community of faith. We pray for others It also reminds us that because it's a communal faith and because God loves each and every one of us, that we are to love our brothers and sisters in the same way that God loves us, even when we might disagree with them. Father is a metaphor for our relationship with God. Like a a father's right ought to be loving and caring and kind and forgiving and merciful and seek the best for us. And so when we call God Father, we recognize these attributes of God. And then art in heaven reminds us of God's power, that God reigns over everything, but also that God is always present and always surrounding us. Then we get into the first of the seven petitions of the prayer, which says, Hallowed be thy name, which is really about honoring God, honoring God in our prayer, but also honoring God in the ways that we live our lives. And so we begin by asking help and listening for what God's will is for our life so that we might live accordingly. So today we're going to look at the next two petitions. Thy kingdom come, that's number two, and then number three, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So thy is just sort of an archaic term for your. Um, So if you like old English, you can say thy, um, but if you like more modern English, you can substitute your. So your kingdom come, your will be done. The thing is, we tend to think that everything is about us, don't we? It seems to be just part of our human nature. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded that it isn't all about us. It's not about us giving God advice or us telling God what we think God doesn't know. It isn't about what we need, but ultimately, it's about what God thinks we need and allowing God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done and letting God shape our hearts rather than us trying to shape God into what we think we want God to do and be. Have you ever prayed like that? I know I pray like that all the time. Like, God, this is what I want. (laughs) I don't care what you want, but in this moment, this is what I want. 
But this template that Jesus gives us about how to pray tells us that that isn't actually what we're supposed to do. But we're supposed to open our hearts to listen for what it is that God's will is. Reminded that God is our Father who always wants the best for us. And so sometimes maybe we think we know what is best for us, but ultimately God knows better. And so as we are praying the Lord's Prayer, we're training our hearts to connect with God so that God can transform us. But how often do we just focus on what we want instead of listening for what God wants? Right, That term thy or yours is an extremely important reminder for us to not just be doing all the talking when we pray, but also to be listening. And it isn't that God doesn't want to hear what's on our hearts, because God definitely listens to everything that we have to say. But like in any relationship, if you're the one doing all the talking, it's not a very healthy relationship, is it? And so we have to remember that we also need to spend time listening to God in the midst of our prayer life. So it goes on to say, thy kingdom come. So what does it mean to pray thy kingdom come? What does God's kingdom for us look like? Well, the kingdom of God was central in Jesus' teaching. The gospel recorded Jesus using the word kingdom 98 times in the gospel. And when Jesus refers to the kingdom of God, he is talking about God's reign. right? A time and a place when God is in charge, when God's will is done, when rather than humanity acting on their own will, they do as God created them to do. Jesus announces that God's kingdom, God's long-awaited reign, has begun. In Mark 1.15, Jesus is recorded as saying, The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the good news. Through Jesus, the kingdom is began to break into this world already. But now we have a role in helping that kingdom emerge. When we respond to Jesus' message and when we follow God's will, We help God's kingdom come. Jesus uses a number of parables um, to describe the coming kingdom. And this is just a couple of examples. There's the parable of the farmer. If you remember this one, a farmer scatters seeds and it lands on various types of soil. And some of the seeds grow and they bear a lot of fruit. And other seeds begin to grow, but then they get smothered out by the weeds. And others fall on hard, rocky soil and they don't even germinate or begin to grow. And so similarly, the kingdom of God will, will be different for, you know, people's response to that kingdom message will be different. And somebody will, some people will listen to Jesus' message, right? And they'll grow the kingdom of God. But for other people, Jesus' message will land on deaf ears. And the kingdom of God won't grow through them. In the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus tells us how the mustard seed is so small, but when it grows, it becomes extraordinarily large, especially in terms of its small nature. And in the same way, the kingdom of God will start out small here on earth, but it will grow far bigger than its starting size. Where the parable of the yeast, in which in this parable, Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is like yeast. You only need a small amount here on earth, but that it will grow 
And that small amount will change every part of the final product of the dough. And the kingdom of God is similar. For every one person who believes in Jesus, there's an exponential difference that person makes in the people and the world around them. The kingdom of God began with Jesus, but it continues to spread through the lives of those who follow Jesus. It continues to spread through us. And so when we pray this, we are connecting God's work to our work here on earth. So the third petition states, Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. So what does it mean to be like heaven? Well, heaven sort of represents that time and place where things are the way that God desired, the way that God created them to be, where pain and sorrowing and suffering and hardship of this world are no more. The prophet Isaiah imagined a time like this, prophesizing this. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put its hand on the alder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, it describes heaven on earth in this way. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. As I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See the home of God among mortals. We will dwell with them as their God. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And so we have this sort of future promise when things are set right. And when they are the way that God created and intended them to be. And yet we live in this world now that's still filled with suffering and evil and violence. Humanity still chooses to follow their own will instead of God's will. And so we don't experience the fullness of God's kingdom. God's will isn't done on earth as it is in heaven. I think sometimes we attribute bad things to God, right? When something horrible happens... We say, well, God allowed that to happen for a reason. Maybe God's trying to teach us a lesson, or God wouldn't give you more than God thought you could handle. But I don't think that it's God that causes those bad things to happen. It's when we aren't listening for God and we we are doing our own will instead of God's will that the suffering and pain and hardships of this world happen. And it's my honest opinion that God is grieving when we don't get it right and when we suffer. But Jesus gives us hope and he says the kingdom of heaven is upon us, that it's breaking in, that it's right here, right now, already, and yet not yet. Right? We have this sort of dual view of the kingdom of heaven 
right? It's something that we hope for in the future when things are perfect as God meant them to be, but that we aren't without hope now, that that kingdom is breaking into the world even as we speak, and that we actually see glimpses of the future heaven here on earth. And when we put aside our own selfish will and we follow God's will for our lives, right, when we show kindness to people, when we sacrifice for others, when we act in ways that create justice in the world, we allow heaven to break into the world even now. And in the end, that helps us and others see how the world ought to be. And I think it inspires us, right, to follow God's will even more and put aside our own will. And when our neighbors see glimpses of heaven, right, they're transformed by Jesus too, so that the kingdom might expand even further and the inbreaking of God's reign begins to become more visible in the world today. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. We are praying for things in this world that aren't yet right, right? To be healed and to be made whole. We're asking God to heal pain and conflict, freeing us from tragedy and suffering. We are asking God to free us from sin and evil and brokenness, the things that prevent us from experiencing the love and peace and joy that God hopes for us. We are praying that we will be faithful to our calling to God's work. Right? Ultimately, this isn't a petition about what God is going to do for us. But it's a petition for God to help us take action so that we might bring God's kingdom here and now. It's a prayer for us to open our hearts to God's will, letting go of our own will and helping us to see the world as it should be. But we struggle to do that, don't we? We just want things the way that we want them. The Bible opens up with this sort of archetypal story of Adam and Eve that just represents, you know, that fight that all of us have inside about how we want to do our own will. We want to do the things that aren't good for us. We want to do the things that we know that we shouldn't do. Right? It's a story about them being told that it was one thing that they're not supposed to do, to eat the fruit from a single tree. And even though they have abundance, they still can't resist to eat from that one tree. Maybe some of you have given up something for Lent. I think the giving up for Lent is sort of this practice of bending oneself to God's will, right? It's like when you're told that you can't do something and you want to do it all that much more, right? And so when you give up for something for Lent, have you ever had that feeling that like you crave that thing even more than you would have if you wouldn't have given it up, right? It's like our human nature to want to do the thing that we're told that we're not supposed to do. And then other times, I don't even think that we realize that we're not doing God's will, right? We think that we know how the world should be. I think it's kind of an act of pride on our part, right? That we think somehow we have the goodness of God all figured out. But I don't know if you've ever had that experience when every once in a while you get a glimpse of something else, something more beautiful, and you realize you don't really have it figured out. That God's will for us is far greater than you had ever imagined. 
Like, have you ever experienced, like, somebody's grace in a moment when you couldn't give yourself grace? And then all of a sudden you realize that God's reign and kingdom is way more wonderful than you had ever imagined because you couldn't even imagine giving yourself grace and here somebody else demonstrated the love of God in your life and gave you grace. In praying the Lord's Prayer, we open ourselves to see the world in the way that God desires. We put aside our pride and we say we don't really understand what it is to be loving in the way that you call us, to show justice in the way that you call us, to be kind to one another in the way that you call us. So help us, Lord. Help us to know your will so that we might bring the kingdom of God here and now. Jesus demonstrates the giving into God's will when he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows that he's about to be arrested and sentenced to death. And he prays this, Father, if it is your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. You can imagine that as he's praying that, like every part of him wants God's will not to be that he has to suffer and die on the cross. But at the end of the day, he prays, not my will, God, but yours. As part of John Wesley's covenant renewal service, um, there is this prayer known as the covenant prayer. And each of you got a little card that looks like this with it on it. And if you're online, Anderson's going to post it for you (laughs) so that you have it too. But this prayer really is about bending ourselves to God's will instead of our own will so that God's will might be done on earth as in heaven so that God's kingdom might break into the world even now as we speak. And so let us just pray this together. Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And this covenant which I made on heaven, let it also be made here on earth. Amen. So it's online if you can't read it. You can look it up. I tried to put it on this small card so it would fit in your wallet and you could take it with you throughout the week. But I just invite you to pray this prayer sort of at least daily this week as a way of discerning what God's will is for your life and how it is that God is calling you to help bring God's kingdom here on earth, to make earth like heaven. So if you would, join me in prayer as I pray another paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer. Our Creator, 
source of all that is and all that is coming. Thank you for letting us sense your presence. Help us to harmonize our lives with all that you are doing in us, among us, and around us. Give us the courage to follow where you lead. Lure us into following you both in our experience and in our imaginations. Give us enough bread to live today. Encourage us to claim your forgiveness and to forgive each other. Guide us away from temptation and strengthen us in our resistance to all that we know as evil. We are deeply grateful for the life and the world that you have given us and stand in awe of what you have done and are doing. We offer again to direct our lives towards your glory and hope and to find rest in your peace. Amen.